Welcome in everybody to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek back with you for another episode of Learning Every Single Day How Not to Be a Youth Pastor because we've learned a lot of those lessons over the years. It's the one thing we have learned is how not to be good at our job. <laughs> We're still sure. figuring out the the positive things of how to do it, but we've learned a lot about how not to do it yeah. uh, over the years. Derek, we're jumping right in because we've got a special guest we got to get to. Uh, so the quick question of the day, Derek, when you have Wednesdays or now for you Sundays that you don't preach, do you like having that or or does it kind of bug you like you feel like you're missing something? I, I feel like when you go to school and you, like, you have like a field trip or you have some kind of section event where it's like permissible to not be in school yet you also still secretly feel like you're doing something wrong that's definitely kind of the feeling I get like I wake up on Sunday and I have like that momentary panic of like I have nothing prepared for today and (laughs) there's kind of like that intentional or that unintentional freak out moment Uh, but all things considered I think I I love having a a Wednesday off a Sunday off uh, especially if you can be in person just to kind of observe your ministry without being directly involved and immersed in it, I think has a lot of value. Uh, but just from a creative standpoint as well, it's good just to kind of have a break and a, and a breather just to kind of go, okay, I don't, I don't have to, you know, go crazy this week. So, yeah, I, I love that, you know, you can kind of take a breath. It's almost a fresher breath, a fresher breath, a, air. a fresher breath, air. nice, a breath of fresh air sometimes, but if, if it's like two or three or four weeks in a row, then I'm going to feel lost. You know, well, like, yeah. like one week is good. If, if it's three or four weeks, that just feels like slacking. Uh, but I will say for, for youth pastors, if you ever have your youth leaders preach uh, or as a senior pastor, if you've got somebody on your staff that's preaching, when you are still there and you're not preaching and you're giving them that opportunity, yeah. that is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, just boost of, of confidence for them and support, uh, you know? Yeah. The support that, that yeah. you're represented for them really means a lot. Uh, but that's, that's the most talking that you and I have to do because we're not the wisdomest ones anyway. Uh, we're excited because today on the podcast, we have a special guest with us. Uh, Heidi is a youth pastor extraordinaire. Yep. Uh, she wow. is, <laughs> <laughs> already she's disagreeing with us uh no she's she's super awesome and she's here to uh to talk about youth ministry so Heidi welcome to the how not to be a youth pastor podcast thank you so much I can't wait to dive into how not to be a youth pastor <laughs> Heidi we, Heidi we know that you uh, have been on many podcasts and you are in a league of your own but uh, it, it means a lot mm-hmm. that you chose to make us as your favorite podcast appearance you've been on I did well uh, and and it was super considerate of you to waive your honorary three thousand dollar speaking fee yeah <laughs> yeah this is absolutely you know what it, it, and she's <laughs> Yeah, she's worthy of it. She's she's great, and uh, yeah, you know we're we're balling on a budget with our podcast. We're still waiting on that one sponsor. Uh, but <laughs> it's been a slow boat here. That's okay. Yeah. So Heidi, tell us a little bit just about your journey in youth ministry, like how you got started, like where you've been, where you're at now. Kind of what did that look like for you? Yeah, totally. I did not have youth ministry on the radar at all growing up. I was a dancer. I loved fine arts, thought for sure I would do something 
in my creative lane there. And actually, I was 17 and I grew up within the Assemblies of God um, and went to summer camps every summer, was very heavily involved in my youth group growing up. And actually, just the summer before my senior year in high school, went into camp um, just really hungry to hear from God and desperate to do what whatever he wanted me to do with my life. I was completely surrendered. It was just this um, shift that had taken place in my life as a teenager. And so when I had laid down at the altar one night during pre-service prayer, all of my expectations for what I thought my life would look like, my desires, et cetera, God showed up and um, actually the speaker had, had prophesied over my life in front of the entire camp um, one Wednesday night. And I, I've never felt the Holy Spirit um, so thick in a moment. It was, I, I probably would have fallen over had there not been so many stu- other students right by me. Um, but that pastor just spoke over me um, a calling of ministry, which I know ministry is something we are all called to, but specifically vocational ministry. And from that point on, I knew that I needed to seek mentorship I because I, I had no idea what that looked like. And luckily, I had a female youth pastor in um, high school. So she started when I was in eighth grade, and I had a great relationship with her. And I just got really close to her after that. And I went through a few loopholes my senior year of high school. I think the enemy knew that I was now aware of my calling. And so I faced a lot of just different trials and temptation my senior year, but uh, made it to North Central Bible College where I, I, funny enough, still, I chose to go to Bible college, but thought maybe just maybe I could get a degree in something else and still kind of slide by the the ministry calling, um, <laughs> that didn't happen. So God, God got a hold of me again after my freshman year of college. Um, I was just scared. I was nervous. I thought I'm not going to go and do this on my own. If I can't like for sure get a husband and have someone cheering me on, like it just felt weird and intimidating, um, out of my league. And, uh, So then my sophomore year is when I officially, I I could get a major in youth ministry specifically at North Central at the time, Uh, got a lot of other mentors in my life, those who were my professors who were pouring into me, and then uh, got my credentials within the Assemblies of God, graduated, had a month off after graduating before I started my first youth pastor job at uh, Cedar Valley Church in Bloomington, Minnesota which was a really high honor, um, great church. And just, again, it felt like that opportunity kind of fell from the sky. Uh, I was willing and ready to move anywhere and do whatever God wanted to do. But the door opened at the church that I had been serving at and volunteering as a youth leader while studying youth ministry. Um, And then I was there six years and I um, just recently stepped down, but it didn't last very long because then I got a call to step in as an interim youth pastor. (laughs) 
And so that's currently what I'm doing is helping out a smaller local church as an interim youth pastor. Um, and that is a whole new experience in and of itself. Um, being kind of a temporary fill-in to just help some really hurting students right now. So that's a little bit of my story in a nutshell. That's perfect. So we the the theme of this episode is going to be kind of looking at women in youth ministry, female youth pastors, and and talking about that. But I want to just touch on quick because mm-hmm. I I have uh, you know had a brief experience as an interim youth pastor, and and that's the position that you're in now. What coming from you know I you're a youth pastor, you are you are at this church, and then you know, later on stepping into that interim role, how does that look different? Oh, it is so different. (laughs) It is so different. And um, I guess a little context to share. I I stepped down from my role um, because I had experienced burnout and knew that if I did not take a back seat, not only would I continue to hurt myself, but I would hurt other people. And that was a very humbling moment to realize that if I don't get off the field, I'm going to start injuring my the other players. Um, and I don't want to do that. And so when I stepped down, I didn't know what was next or when I'd go back. Obviously, the Lord can see all of that. And I really enjoyed that time of complete rest. You know, I had about 28 weeks of no Wednesday activities at all. And that was nice. (laughs) That was nice. I got to put my baby girl to bed every night of the week. I didn't have to go anywhere. It was beautiful. And so when I got the call to step in and help this church, my initial response was, in my head, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I really like this life. <laughs> but um I couldn't I couldn't say no. I couldn't say no. And that just goes to show that the I it it honestly did me good because it reminded me that my heart is still for the local church. My heart is still for the next generation. So stepping into this interim role, the biggest difference between doing something like this and stepping in as a pastor on staff at a church where you're working for, you know, a while at least, right, is that because I'm temporary, I actually don't build super deep relationships with the students because I honestly, I think that would hurt them more if I tried to say, hey, let's go to coffee and I want to show up at your tennis games. But just so you know, in December, I'm out, you know, like that's, that's really, it's kind of awkward, you guys. And they, it's like, it's like they know that you're leaving and you know that you're leaving. So you kind of have to play it a little um, at a distance, but also remind them God can still use this very short season for all of us to learn and grow and um, encounter God. And so what's been nice is stepping into this role has reminded me that I really do love to teach. I love to preach and I've missed that. Um, but I don't have to carry the weight of like really caring for people. Um, this church is also, I drive an hour to go to this church and I'm just there on Wednesday nights. I am not there on Sunday mornings. I'm not there during the week. They were like, we will take you just on Wednesday nights. We will reimburse your mileage. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but it's been great. And honestly, the people there are amazing. I've loved 
every every bit of it. But yeah, an interim is a weird thing because it's temporary. Well, and it's probably got to be one of those things where uh, it's almost a little unnatural, Heidi. I feel like, you know, for someone who genuinely cares about ministry and cares about students like you do, like uh, we we all do if we're good at what we do, um, it's got to almost feel a little unnatural or wrong to be like, hey, I'm going to intentionally choose to not invest in you. I'm going to choose to not get attached to you. Uh-huh for your own benefit. And like, even though the, the reasoning is there, it's got to just feel a little like, again, I, I keep going back to unnatural, but weird or awkward is the word you mm-hmm. used to be like, Hey, I'm choosing not to, uh, to invest here because it's for the betterment of that. And, you know, just as an encouragement, oh, this is not part of the episode, but I feel like just as you were even talking, I think it's one of those things where these students, even though it is temporary, uh, I think it says a lot to a student who is like, Hey, I know you're not from around here. I know, you know, you're here on a temporary basis. Uh, That's got to mean a lot saying, hey, someone's choosing to come invest into me, even on a temporary basis. Uh, That's got to mean a lot to them. And so uh, I know it probably does feel weird or awkward, but as we were just saying, I just kind of felt like, yeah, I mean, that's just a cool thing that someone's willing to kind of step out and believe in me and dedicate their time to me for that. So you're awesome. We appreciate you. Uh, you have a sweet story and I know the Lord's continuing to lead you as he has thus far. But um, as we dive right in here, Heidi, um, Kyle and I, a little bit farther back here, probably the last episode now, we did a little bit of a horror stories of youth ministry because uh, the thing about youth ministry, as all of us in here know, is that it's far from predictable. It is far from everything going exactly according to plan. So, um, you know, we did mention there is a statute of limitations of there are some things that probably are more recent that you maybe don't want to divulge yet. Uh, but what are some of the things that come to your mind in terms of horror stories in the regards of youth ministry for you? For sure, when I led 12 middle school students on a mission trip in downtown Chicago, <laughs> because <laughs> I I was not, I was assigned this trip. Um, I did not choose Chicago, but I thought, you know what, this is okay. It's going to be great. But we were in da- downtown Chicago is rough. Uh, I don't need to get into statistics at all, but um, there's a lot of death. <laughs> there's a lot of murder. <laughs> there's a lot of violence. Um, and this this trip, I kid you not, so it was a, about a week. And I had a few leaders with me, and luckily, my husband. I I told them I was said I'm not le- I'm not leading this trip without my husband because if if something happens, I need a I need a bodyguard with all of us. I need a man with us. And um, I had a few high school students as well. But when you take fresh sixth graders to downtown Chicago and they want to go to the park and play hide and seek, and you have to explain to them that that's just not a really smart thing to do in your area. Um, it's tense. I I got back from that trip and had a huge breakdown once we dropped our rental car off. And I think the breakdown was because I was holding all this tension in the whole trip that when we got back, I was so relieved that we all came back alive and we all came back in pieces and 
it just, and I know what you, I, I hope there's not a listener out there. If you're from Chicago, I'm sorry. Maybe you do understand, but this is just a small story. When we get there, the students still have their phones because I I let them have their phones while we were in the car. It's a long drive. So they had their electronics with them. But within the first 10 minutes of our arrival in downtown Chicago, um, 75% of my students had witnessed a full-on fight in the alley where a man had taken a two-by-four and whacked it across another man's head and that man started to bleed and we actually we saw the blood the next day on the way to breakfast we saw the blood drippings on the concrete and i started getting texts and calls from parents because they still had their phones and they told their parents about it and i was like everyone give me your cell phones right now I just reassured the parents. I said, you know what? If you don't hear anything from me, just assume everything's good. <laughs> so um, it was intense. You know, we, we a lot of good happened, but it was just as a leader leading that trip, it was very stressful. <laughs> I, I feel like that the, the incoming sixth graders have not yet, on a mission trip like that, they have yet to learn the mission trip code of, hey, not everything goes back to mom and dad right away. Uh, may, once you come back from the trip, you share all of those stories that would have freaked mom and dad out if they had found out while you were still there. Like, yeah, you're not in any harm. You're, you're safe. We got you. But maybe let's hold up, just put a pause on some of those stories. I know. Yeah. That, I mean, and, and that was your first mission trip with these students? Uh, my first trip that I led... Uh, yes, as a youth faster, the one the, that I was just fully in charge of was downtown Chicago. I feel like a trip to downtown Chicago is like insane. I feel like that is like, that's like just throwing them to the wolves right away. You know? I was throwing <laughs> Heidi to the wolves because yeah. you said you kind of got to sign this trip. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there's, like, there's a youth pastor out there that was your boss that has some questions to answer. Yeah, so I, I exactly. <laughs> and that, that, that's what I'm saying is that like, like imagine being like, hey, this is your first trip that you're leading. Like, hey, let's go to Chicago. To me, that's like, hey, uh, you've never been on a mission trip before, but like, hey, let's send you to Antarctica with no coat and just figure have you figure it out because... <laughs> That's insane. That's intense. I got to say, though, I, I identify with the mental breakdown at the end of the trip because when I was like the first few mission trips that I led almost like clockwork, I would get sick like a day or two after we got back for the same, like same thing. I'm just I'm holding everything in. I'm running on just adrenaline by the end of it. And, and I come home and I take a breath and my immune system is just shot because it's been working overtime for the last week and a half. Yeah. There's a listener out there right now who is literally on the verge of planning a mission trip and they now <laughs> second guess everything they put to the thing of like, maybe I don't want to do this, <laughs> this anymore. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> hey, the people in Chicago do need Jesus. Just don't take middle schoolers. Yeah, that's a good call. We'll, we'll assign the high schoolers or even young adults. Let's send a young adult mission trip uh, down to Chicago for that one. Good idea. Um, okay, so we want to we want to dive in, you know, for our listeners that maybe this is your first episode and you're just catching on to the fact that Derek and I are both male. Uh, <laughs> but we, uh, it is, and, and we we talked about uh, you know youth pastor compensation and and youth pastor payment uh, a couple episodes ago, and and we'll get into that a little later, but. 
there's a lot of differences that that comes uh, in youth ministry of of being a male youth pastor versus a female youth pastor, and so. You know, we wanted to to have a good friend of the show, Heidi Roush, on today to to talk about uh, just kind of that perspective. And so, Heidi, I want to start here. Why is it important for women to be in leadership roles uh, in the church, just whether it's in youth ministry or not? That's a really great question. And I think the picture I would like to paint in response to this is that when God designed the home and even what he wanted um, for us to look like as, as a family unit, we see that there's male and then there's female and together they become one and make babies and raise those children. And even statistics tell us that those who grow up in a broken home or don't have a dad or don't have a mom, there's a lot of challenge with that um, because God so intentionally created both men and women to work together, period. And I just think, why would the church be any different? Um, Why would the church just be all male or why would we ever want a church that's just all, you know, female? I think it's beautiful and it works really well when both men and women can partner together in leadership. Um, men can, can tend to not always just be more authoritative and we need that, but women also tend to just be more nurturing. And one another great asset of, of a pastor, right? That's kind of what pastoring is both of those things. And so I see that um, God, when we read scriptures from beginning to end, he's clear on the picture of marriage and what it looks like in the home. And also, also within the church, we know that God can call and equip uh, both men and women. Yeah, it's it's so good, and I I love that that comparison of, of you know working together, right? Because I mean, I love you go back all the way to the origin of creation, right? And and uh, Eve was created from the rib of Adam, and when, whenever I read that, I always think about how that is a collaborative effort. You know, um, I look back. Something I tell our our team all the time is, you know, you you think of Adam for a second, right? And he, um, you know, he was one of those guys where. Uh, or one of those guys, uh, you know, he, he literally, uh, had direct access to God. Like he had everything in the garden directly there, uh, and everything was good. And yet still at the end of that, God says, it's not good for man to be alone, which to me just proves that like God literally desires for men and women to be, uh, in, in unison working together. And I think there's, there's so much value to, to, as you said, Heidi, translating that into the church, which is just fantastic. But here's what I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, while we all appreciate that value, while we all, uh, think how great that is, there are some people who maybe don't see it that way or, or are a little bit more old school where you have this old school train of thought where women straight up are not allowed to take on a ministerial role in the church. Um, and so a question I have for you is, um, you know, in your experience thus far, have you been treated differently for being a female, whether that be good or bad? Yeah, I 
can't personally pinpoint a moment where I felt that I was treated unfairly because I was a female. Um, for the most part, I alluded to this in the beginning, I had a female youth pastor. So it was very affirmed in my home church, went to a college where there were men and women uh, preaching often in chapels as professors um, in leadership roles. And then even on, I've been on staff at a church that did a great job making sure that we weren't predominantly, you know, on one side or the other. Um, and, and so I can't, I can't say that for sure. What, what I can say is about two years ago, I actually, um, ended up listening to a podcast, go figure. And, um, this podcast was from, uh, these two individuals, very intelligent. I mean, they've got their doctorate, they study theology and I had I had listened to them um, several times for other different topics that I just wanted some insight on. And they actually had done a women in ministry episode. Um, and I went into it excited and then left crushed when I finished their episode because I found out that these men that I just really respected were very anti-women being pastors in the church. And you guys, it shook me. Like I have never ever in my journey, um, struggled to have a second thought, um, at, am I doing the right thing or am I, or am I the crazy one that's wrong? Like I actually had to add, that was my first time asking that because I'd always been around people who had affirmed it. And I suppose that for all of us, it's good to maybe rub shoulders with someone who disagrees completely. Cause it does get us to think and go back to our why and figure out, okay, why am I here? And I remember um, taking that, uh, I, and, I, and I just was so sick. Like, I don't even think I slept good that night. Um, and then I remember taking that question to a couple other of my friends in ministry who are women. And I said, hey, here's some things that I kind of heard on this podcast. And it's wrecking me a bit. And can you just shed some light? And... Um, one of the points was that men are to be made um, as the primary authoritative figure, right? And to have a female as like a lead pastor, uh, which they were even anti like youth and children's and all the things. I'm like, okay, well, you want women to play the keyboard and that's about it. Um, so <laughs> the, to have the, the man be the or to, excuse me, to have the female be the authoritative lead pastor voice was a big no-no because you're supposed to, the woman is supposed to submit to man, whatever. And it was just, there's obviously a lot to this podcast. And um, someone that I was talking to said, well, Heidi, a healthy church, all lead pastors actually submit to the board. And I thought, oh yeah, you know, like there's, in 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 the in the frame of the church, we know that healthy churches, even male male pastors and female pastors, should have a board who keeps them accountable, who corrects them, who aligns them, who they confide in, um, and those members on the board can absolutely be a mixture of men and women. 
Um, and I thought that was good perspective that just, again, reminded me, like, if you're going to go into any role too big, high and mighty to have anyone speak, you know, uh, above you and to help correct you, then you're probably not doing it the way that God wants you to do. But, um, yeah, I just thought that that was interesting, but I just got so wrecked by this podcast and I had to go back to, okay, God, um, like if I'm crazy, you need to tell me now, otherwise, <laughs> uh, otherwise I'm going to keep doing this because I'm like, I'm an individual who is in the word. I pray and fast. I know I've heard your voice. I, it just would baffle me that I've been wrong, that I would be wrong in this. Right. So I think that there are people who have personal convictions and that's absolutely okay. Um, but to, to put that on someone else, um, that's where it gets a little like, "Mm, we gotta, we gotta watch that a bit. That's so much of a better answer than anything I could have come up with. I mean, there's a reason why we're talking to Heidi about being a woman in ministry because we can't really, <laughs> we can't really provide that context, and um, you know, it's just it's it's so interesting to to hear, you know. That's true. So I I alluded to a few episodes ago. We we did an episode kind of diving into like what youth pastors should be paid. Mm. And diving into you know part time youth pastors, full time youth pastors, like what's fair, what do they deserve, what do we not deserve? And, you know, obviously we talked about uh, you know having uh, like regular coupons and rewards points for local pizza places and and all of that. But uh, one of the one of the things that we talked about, there was a study that pointed out a twelve point eight percent. Uh, wage gap uh, between male and youth, female youth pastors, and you, know, you you expect to see a number like that in a a secular environment. Not, I mean, it's not great there either. No, but, but it's a problem everywhere. Yeah, is what you're trying to say, yeah. But when you but when you look at a body of believers uh, under the umbrella of Christ, you know you would expect that number to be smaller than that. Uh, and so obviously that is something that, that churches can take a look at and, and kind of rectify, but outside of just the financial side of things, uh, is there anything that churches can do a better job of, uh, in supporting female youth pastors? You are going to light a fire inside of me with this next topic (laughs) because I got extremely passionate, um, a few years ago when I found out that I was pregnant and my church didn't offer maternity leave, paid maternity leave. And so, um, and I can say this now because it's not how it is now. We went through this process of, I developed this proposal. I had a pastor who was female who encouraged me to do it and pitch it. And we fought for it and the, the rules and guidelines changed. And so it's, it's different now, but, um, man, there are so many women that I know that leave their jobs, whether it's in the church or not, um, a, because they get nothing, um, not the financial support, nor even just the emotional mental support when they have a child. Um, and then to come back and you, you better be making enough to make it worth my time to not be raising my kids. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
like, I just, um, there, that to me, it, the church should be the number one place in my opinion to work for because it's, it's the church. It's the church. Now I know we're people. I also completely understand that the church is not made of money. So I have, um, I have a, a relative that works for Amazon and gets an insane amount of paid maternity leave. It's insane. (laughs) And they have lots of money so they can do that. I get it. I'm not asking for you to pay me for six months, right? Generally speaking in America, the FMLA law states that you can take 12 weeks off after having a baby um, and your employer uh, cannot fire you for doing so. That's essentially your perk right there, <laughs> which when you look at what America gets for maternity leave versus what other countries get, that's a whole nother um, thing in and of itself. But uh, I, I put together this proposal for my church and talked about how you know, why, why is it important to be getting paid while you're on maternity leave? Well, number one, it's not a vacation. When people start a family and they bring in a baby to the world, they're not going on fun trips, taking naps, you know, like they're, they're surviving, right? They're figuring it out. Um, not to mention their expenses actually go up in that time because now they have another mouth to feed. Now they have to buy diapers. Now they have to buy all the things that were on their registry that they didn't get or whatever it is. They're taking care of this little human. And so part of what we have to do is look at, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm paying you a because I value you and I want you to come back. Like I don't know, I don't know that enough churches. I saw a post one time say something about what this exact topic of youth pastors um, and young adult pastors that churches, if they really didn't want those those leaders to leave, then you better <laughs> you better put your money where your mouth is and make sure that their families are being taken care of that they're surviving in the economy, that their kids are doing well, like all of the above, right? And so it's an awkward conversation. I get it. And churches aren't made of money. I also get it. But we ask a lot of our young adult pastors, of our youth pastors. Um, it's a lot of extra intentional time outside of work hours. And so uh, maternity leave for me, I, I went through that season and I told myself that if I was to ever get go through the inter- interview process again at a church, that that would be one of the questions I would have for the lead pastor is in that moment, I want to see your maternity leave policy. And that will tell me whether or not I want to work for your church. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, even if you are not, you know, expecting to get pregnant anytime soon or, or whatever, it asking to see that policy might be able to give you a good window into, you know, how they treat their staff, even, even beyond, you know, that's, that's something that is obviously in writing or, or not in writing, Yeah, Um, Yeah. but it is a window into like, Hey, what, how do you value the, the people on your staff, not just as staff members, but as human beings. But even, even male pastors, you should be getting a paternity leave. It should be, in my opinion, at least two weeks. And um, I've seen some pastors have a baby and then preach on Sunday the day after. And I was like, I'm sorry, if you were my husband, we we might be getting a divorce because 
there's no way. I'm sorry. No, you're home. You're home to take care of your family. And churches got to make sure that pastors, both male and female, are putting their family first. Because we say that a lot, but um, we really got to make sure that that's what our documents and behind the scenes looks like too. Well, I tell you what, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first here in January. So I'm going to, when we're done talking here, I'm going to put you in touch with uh, my senior pastor and yes. uh, we'll get it squinted now. I love uh, chat. <laughs> um, so I, when it comes to, you know, having, uh, you know, young girls and eventually women that are interested in going into youth ministry, they, they have that call upon their life. But, you know, beyond that, they also... Uh, are pursuing that call. I have to imagine that raising up female leaders within the church, within ministries is a really, really good first step to that. Are there ways that you've seen churches excel uh, in, in this area? Yeah. I think that if churches feel like they want to help raise up the next generation, generation of female leaders, you first have to ask the question, do we have any female leaders who are visible? Because often what happens is kids don't think something is possible if they don't see it. And how are they supposed to believe you even telling them, hey, you can do this when it doesn't happen in your own church, right? Um, a pastor can say, we value women all day long. But if it's been six years since they've ever had a female communicate on a Sunday morning, I might might think a little differently. And so I think um, absolutely just evaluate how you've done when it comes to, um, and this is all, th- this is, this is um, allowing people of, of different race and ethnicity to share the platform. It's allowing people of different age to share the platform so that the, the congregation and the people um, in the seats know that they can and are as equally valued and loved and you know ready to be used by God. And so um, I think just who, who on your staff or who in your congregation um, who is a is a female leader who has a gift in X, Y, and Z. And can we bring her in some way? Um, I saw over my time as a youth pastor and I was, you know, at one church for six years, which uh, I hate to say this is kind of a longer time to be a youth pastor when you look at statistics. But um, when I started, there were... um, maybe a few young girls that I knew kind of interested in ministry, but by the end of my time there, handfuls, I'm, I'm not kidding, handfuls of young girls who are like, I think I'm supposed to be a missionary. I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. I think I'm supposed to be a preacher. I think I'm supposed to go to Bible college, whatever. Um, and I'm not saying it was all me, but I think it helped them to see um, pretty frequently and regularly uh me get up there and give a sermon and be there as their pastor. And so making sure that other women in ministry are just visible um, to help raise up the next generation, that that to me is the is the first step. And then letting those girls know that you believe in them, you're cheering them on, um, and then tell them to seek mentorship. 
I tell that to, to anyone who feels a calling towards anything. You've got to find someone who's 10 steps ahead of you and you got to ask them questions like your life depends on it because they don't chase you. Mentor, like You have to chase a mentor and, and seek that uh, for yourself. And most of us are ready and willing to do that for the next generation. It's just oftentimes, unfortunately, sometimes the next generation doesn't seem too uh, prone to want to want to ask and 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 seek out so yeah yeah you know and i think uh heidi something that that you're touching on that again i, I kind of want to piggyback off of is i think they're uh you know kyle and i are fortunate enough to both be married don't know how that happened how, how we <laughs> found me. two girls who were uh crazy enough to to be with us but um, you know, I think, uh, if you're sitting there going, okay, I'm a youth pastor in a small church and I have no, uh, female youth leaders. I think there's a lot of value in, um, you know, how, how are, how is my wife being, um, utilized in the church? Um, is she reserved to the cleaning and the keyboard player and the hospitality greeter or, Nursery. right. Yeah. Like, like, it, like we joke, but like, the thing is, is like, you know, I want people to understand that my wife, you know, this is something that is one of my wife's pet peeves is, you know, if we go to a conference or a convention or something and they have a pastor's wife or pastor's wives segment, she's walked away feeling like, okay, so my role in the church is to be your trophy wife, to be the person that can show off and, and, you know, put hospitality out. And she's like, not that I don't want to be that for you, but like, I feel like I have a voice. I have something to say. I am a strong, independent woman who can lead well. And so, you know, I think even how we go about, and and we're going to at some point touch here on minister spouses and how being a female youth leader or a youth pastor is, you know, some differences that way too. But um, just something that I wanted to just regards, I love how you said that is just like, getting women involved, even if that is your spouse. Yeah. I had a, uh, just a couple Wednesdays ago, my wife and I were talking with, uh, a youth leader of ours and one of our students came up and it was it like, she was, you know, at that awkward distance where it's like, I know that you want to talk to one of the three of us, but you're not going to come up and like directly say it. And so, it, you know, we all like kind of turn and like, you know, like you're like almost physically inviting her into this conversation. And the youth leader was like, you know, which one of us are you looking for here? And she pointed at my wife and mm-hmm. my wife is one of the most introverted people you will ever meet. But she does like whether she wants to admit it or not, like she is good at youth ministry and she, it was like just kind of this like almost proud moment for me. Cause I'm like, yeah, my wife has relationships with our youth students and like, they want to talk to her. They want to seek out her and her advice mm-hmm. in some situations. And that's where, yeah, if, if you are a male youth pastor who is married, your wife building relationships with students, uh, is, is a phenomenal way to, to kind of build that bridge and, and fill that gap. If you're in, like Derek said, one of the, a smaller setting where you're not just overflowing with youth leaders. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to uh, pivot here a little bit because, you know, we've really been highlighting how it's different to be a, a female in, in youth ministry and that, Certainly, there are all kinds of differences there, but um, you know, at the same time, I also want you to talk about your experience in ministry in general because um, you know, 
I, I too had a female youth pastor, a fantastic one growing up in youth ministry. Um, and towards my end of my high school year, we actually had two youth pastors, a male and a female. And um, if I'm being completely honest, I didn't see them as female and male. I saw them as Rachel and Kyle. I saw them as my youth pastors. And so, yes, while they had notable differences and, and things that, you know, I might feel more comfortable talking to about certain things with my, with Kyle versus Rachel, uh, the reality is they were both my pastors. They were both my leaders. And so um, I liked just kind of how they were their own unique people. Um, and so it, it, I know something that you had mentioned was that you love preaching and teaching. Um, and so kind of like, you know, in the, in the sake of, um, you know, unity, uh, kind of what does that look like for you or what's your kind of overall method or routine when it comes to writing sermons and really leading a ministry? Yeah. I love that you're choosing to ask some of these questions. Um, I've grown a lot in the last, uh, 10 years, maybe when it comes to writing a sermon, um, I care even more so now than I did 10 years ago about making sure that when I preach, I'm actually, I'm unpacking scripture. We're looking at a passage. Um, oftentimes we want to look at a theme or a fun idea and then look at scripture as our second and try to make it fit that theme. Um, when I stepped into my interim role that I'm at now, I was like, we're doing the book of Luke. That's it. I don't have fun themes for you. I don't, because honestly, you guys, I've just, and I'm not saying it's all bad. I understand there's definitely, you got to make things fun and have a draw and you want to do an invite night and that kind of thing. But um, maybe just the older I'm getting too, I'm a little bit more old school when it comes to, if you're, if you're in the church, if you're here, then there's a part of you that knows we're going to be talking about the Bible. So this shouldn't really surprise you all that much. So I'm going to talk about the Bible. <laughs> um, but I find a passage. That's my first thing. Um, and if there is a theme, like I'm going to speak at a women's event here in December and they gave me a theme. Um, okay, great. I'm going to find a, a a nice bit of scripture and I'm just going to, yeah, it kind of ties to that theme, but the whole sermon doesn't need to be about that. It's also going to be about unpacking that passage so that we understand the full context. Um, so I will find, I'll find the passage and then I will find some commentaries to learn more about that passage. I'll read a little bit of what comes before that in scripture, what comes after that in scripture. I'll make sure that I'm communicating who wrote this, um, who the audience was, what book of the Bible it is, what that book of the Bible's theme was, where you can even find that in the Bible, all of those things. And then um, I'm really working towards my whole time communicating. I'm working towards sharing one main idea. Instead of giving people the, you know, seven seven ways of having an effective, you know, mindset or whatever, Whatever, right? Like I, I, you're not going to remember the seven things, and so um, it's giving them their one point and making that 
sticky. It's the it's the phrase, if you will, that you would plaster on a billboard or print in a magazine because it's really that good. And sometimes I spend a long time on those phrases. I mean, a long time. <laughs> but I want them to remember the main point of that message. And so it's passage, it's context... It's adding stories, um, adding some fun, but then getting them all to all to this one point. And that can be really hard because when you start reading scripture, you realize and you know, maybe you've got five, six verses that you're reading. You can go a lot of different directions with five or six verses a lot. And you have to just pick one. The amount of times I remember um, my lead pastor telling me like, those are all really great ideas. <laughs> you got to just go with one. Otherwise, you start to confuse people. So um, really just trying to keep that that narrow, that narrow focus on that main idea. Because um, I think those messages hit home a lot better um, just from a perspective of someone who's listening. So yeah, I love that. Just giving it to them straight. Uh, not necessarily... Uh, you know, trying to to fluff it up or anything, and uh, I've heard a lot of youth pastors say like you how you how you get them is how you have to keep them, and so if it's all about the yeah. the fluffy stuff, if it's all about the games, then when that dries up, uh, whether that is in your youth ministry or eventually they're going to graduate, and if they only came to church for the games, they're going to go to a Sunday morning service and figure out like oh man, like they don't give away Dairy Queen gift cards every week here. Yeah this is lame. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, that's tough. Uh, Heidi, what's, you know, when it comes to the job of a youth pastor and, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes into it. I do way more carpentry as a youth pastor than anybody ever told me I would do. Uh, is there any part of uh, administrative stuff like budget stuff too, yeah. but I love budgets. <laughs> um, is there any part of being a youth pastor that like this part of the job really brings, life to me? And on the flip side of that, is there a part of the job that is a little bit more emotionally draining uh, for you? The the most life-giving part of youth ministry for me has always been the really small, intimate conversations with students. Um, I love small groups. I love writing questions that make students think. And then I love being a part of those conversations. Uh, I think teenagers are amazing because they are some of the most real, raw, unfiltered people that you will ever talk to. Um, they're more in the know with current culture and society just because our world is really crafted around ages like 13 to 18, um, marketing, all of it. It's like geared towards the young people. And and so I love sitting with them and hearing their thoughts. Um, that's really life-giving to me, having those conversations with them. The thing that is not life-giving to me that I did not expect so much in youth ministry in particular is that it does require often a lot of evenings away from home and just travel. When you look at the fact that... Um, I'm not knocking on any other area of ministry, but this is a youth ministry podcast. So I'm just going to go here. Um, adults don't go to summer camp. They don't. And so the senior pastor isn't packing up a bus full of people to take to summer camp. He's not going to their hockey games. He's 
not, you know, whatever. And I know that the lead pastor does plenty of other stuff, right? That's not what I'm saying. Um, kids pastor, he goes to summer camp, but it's shorter. And then there's no NYC and then there's no fine arts. And then there's just so there's just a lot that happens in the age range for youth that um, I sometimes look around at the other pastors and I'm like, want to trade places? I'm tired. <laughs> Stay home. Um, and of course, it's always, you know, the, the the grass is always greener on the other side. So you're going to get to another area and be like, oh, well, then there's this. And I totally get it. But um, there just can be a lot of a lot of time away. And then you're, you're also dealing with, um, you know, you make yourself available. So text or call. They're at that age where they just need prayer or they want to chat or what have you or a last minute get together um, because you're also pastoring your leaders. So you're there for the students and you got to be available for them. But then you have these core leaders that you're also trying to just encourage and love on. So um, yeah, a lot of extra time. It can be, it can be a little exhausting. I think that's what drained me, especially as I've grown into being more of a homebody. I'm like, I'm not sure I want to be gone for 12 to 18 days out of the summer, you know, (laughs) I, I feel that we got, you know, multiple mission teams that our youth ministry is doing every year and you get, you get done with that season and it's like, okay, I need, (laughs) I need to not travel for a little bit along with your spouse too. Right. Because if you have kids at home, you know, like I, you know, we have two kids and my wife works full time too. So, you know, when I'm at camp, you know, it's draining for sure. You know, cause it still are some long days, but it's also, I also feel the weight of, okay, my wife is now doing twice as much work at home with half as much help, mm-hmm. um, you know, while trying to get out the door earlier so she can get the kids dropped off earlier to get to work on time. Yeah. And now she's getting home later. And and, all, and so, you know, there there is that part of it. And it, it really is like, you're so grateful to be a part of it. But the reality is, as you know, as you have that family and that spouse at home, it's it's even all the more tougher uh, emotionally to be away. And so, Heidi, a question I had for you too is, um, you know, I think the dynamic of a minister spouse is so similar across the board. Whether you have a female youth pastor, um, you know, and 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 husband who's not a ministry or is a ministry, there's all these different dynamics, and I think the general. Again, you know, to, just to go along with the stereotype for a second, the reason my wife and your wife, Kyle, really bond is because they are in the minority of youth pastor wives who work full time outside of the church. And so something that my wife has expressed discomfort in in the past is um, we're going to do a, you know, a minister's wives retreat um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And my wife's like, well, that sucks because I want to go to that, but like I can't really burn the PTO for a ministry event because it's I'm using that for our family vacation or or what have you. And so, um, you know, if you would kind of just I know I'm I know I'm painting a broad brushstroke here, but maybe just kind of give us a, a glimpse into the uh, dynamic of you and Chris, your husband, who is not in vocational full time ministry. What that looks like for you, good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. This is, I think, um, one of the bigger learning curves if you are a female in full-time vocational ministry and let's say you are, you know, about to get married or you are married and you're navigating this world, um, 
Chris and I were still trying to figure things out, even year six, you know, what does this really need to look like? And uh, I actually, I chatted with him a little bit about this question before hopping on here, which um, everything he said was nothing new to me, just because you got to keep the the door always open um, with your spouse as far as how are you doing? How's, how's this impacting you? Um, for Chris, he was always a major cheerleader of me doing what I did. He thought it was great. Um, he was like, do your thing. I love you. I'm proud of you. Uh, anytime I asked him to come along and help with something, he would. But his initial... Um, posture was actually to not be super involved with the youth ministry. Uh, Chris and I are actually, we're eight and a half years apart. So he kind of jokes. He's like, Heidi, I did my time. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) I I served in young adult ministry for like all of my twenties. And I'm like, I just, I'm good right now. So if you need me, I'm there. But otherwise I'm not all gun ho about pouring into students. And honestly, you guys, you don't want to force someone to pour into kids. Like, it shouldn't be that way. It, it, I was never, I was going to do youth ministry regardless if Chris had a heart for it or not. He just needed to have a heart for me doing it, right? So um, I, I did it and he was a, was a big cheerleader of it. Um, but what got challenging was just the dynamic of what you see in the church and how it functions there. You know, Heidi's, Heidi's got the 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 degree, the credentials and the title. Um, people approach her at the church. They don't really know me. I, I would often joke like sometimes like I, Chris is just kind of a low key guy when it comes to church. He's like, I'm going to stand in the back because I'm so tall. I don't want anyone to see me in the front. And I'm like, well, if you don't sit by me, people are going to think we have marriage issues or that you're dead. So you need to... <laughs> I don't want to be the widow here, like come alongside, you know, I'd have to try to get him out of his shell a little bit so that he was visible. Um, but what, what, what was hard was being home. And a couple times I remember him telling me um, when we were having some just hard conversations, like Heidi, I just don't think that you need me. And I'm like, what do you mean that I don't need you? And he's like, well, you're, you're you're really smart and you're really well equipped and poised and you do leadership within the church so when you get home there's there's it's almost like i had to like ask him to say hey i actually i actually desire and crave for you to pour into me and lead and um that just kind of took a back seat a little bit because of my natural role within the church. But when I come home, again, God's design, um, man is the the head of the household. And so sometimes it was trying to like figure out that rub a little bit. And um I I had to make sure and still do, even though I'm my role in ministry is a little different, that I affirm my husband as just the spiritual head of the home. Um, I want him to be the strong one in that. And I I really do believe that there are things that our kids, they're going to grow up watching and they're going to go, well, if dad isn't doing it, then I don't give a rip. And I just really, I have to do a good job of affirming him. And I think sometimes that can be hard when 
when women are in these naturally just amazing leadership roles, it's like, well, you know, I, I, again, I've just seen women and I don't know if it's the feminist movement or what it is, but they joke like with their kids, like who's, who's the boss? Is it mommy or daddy? And it's like, it's always mommy. It's always mommy. And I'm like, I actually don't want mommy to be the boss. There is, there's comfort in daddy making decisions and us resting in that. Um, and again, that being a part of God's design. And so, um, we have to be very intentional about, keeping that at the forefront in our home, um, making sure that Chris feels seen and heard and that he doesn't feel disrespected or overstepped on. Um, it is possible. It is absolutely possible for a female to be a pastor at a church and do a great job and to be married to an amazing man and still have him um, be just a great voice within the home. Um, and so, yeah, I think that would be, that would be if him and I were here together, something that we would dive in a little bit is just that dynamic and um, keeping that door open for conversation because you never really figure it out. You just always got to uh, kind of be talking about it and working through it. Oh, that's so good. I, uh, I I think I've had, if I remember correctly, I think I've had the pretty Chris once, uh, and it was up at a youth pastor retreat Ooh. and it, uh, it was hilarious. And you know, if you, you put a hundred youth pastors in a room, 98 of them are going to be male. And so we were at this youth pastor event and they had, they literally had a session where it was like, all right, like the youth pastors are going to, yes. are going to get together and, and they're going to talk about whatever. And, you know, down the hall, uh, you yep. know, the youth pastor's wives are, are going to get together. And I always wondered, uh, you know, like what is, what does Chris do <laughs> in those situations? He went in with the women and he sat down and he got himself a drink and he's like, so what are we talking about? And he didn't stay, but he was there to prove the point. Like, hello, I am the the black sheep. And it was the same with the um the gifts, the candles and the books. I always thought this was so funny because the 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 youth pastors get a book and the youth pastor wives get a candle. Well, I'm a lady. I like candles, uh, but I'm the youth pastor. I also like books. And <laughs> I was like, why do I, why do I have to get the book? Like, can I choose? And then Chris is like, you know, what if I want this? Or he's like, no, don't take, this is my candle. I get to pick the candle. <laughs> became this joke. Um, so eventually, I think I remember at our last youth pastor retreat, I, I do remember um, our amazing DYDs just wording it a little bit more creatively so that it made everyone happy. But it has, you guys, it's a slow um, turnover sometimes to change language, uh, even though we have been supportive of women being youth pastors for years. And we've always had one in the district, I think, for maybe even the last like 15, 20 years. I don't know. Like it, it's, it's not like a new, new thing. And so it's funny how the language can still be a little outdated. Yeah. So we, <laughs> that's, I just, I can't get over that. And, and, and knowing Chris, he's so chill about it too. Oh, he, yeah. he, he's not the guy who got, gets offended. He just like, he yeah. just like laughs it off. And like, I, I seriously just love seeing him because he's just kind of like, whatever, you know, it, it, he, he does like kind of, to play on it and it's just he's awesome that way so yeah 
Yeah. So we have time for just a couple more questions here. I want to ask, uh, cause as, as a male youth pastor, you know, there's, there's a difference in how I do and even how I can relate to male students versus female students. Uh, you know, I was just talking about this the other day with somebody like I can, I can take a single high school male student out to lunch at Caribou or, uh, Chipotle or wherever. I, I really can't do that with a with a female student. Like it looks different. You have to you have to connect with students of the opposite gender a little bit differently. So for what did like what were some tricks that you use or how did that how did you connect with male students as a female youth pastor? Because you have the same problem we do. It's just the other way around. One hundred percent. Um, a couple of things. There were a couple seasons where I was fortunate enough to be leading with a male youth pastor. So there we there was one of us on each side, right? And the more you can do together, the better, right? It's just a great buffer to be able to utilize one another, um, have group group event or group hangs, but obviously those one-on-one conversations, um, you're always gonna want to have female with female, male with male. Um this is where I, you've got to work hard to uh, raise up and equip and encourage your female leaders to fill in ways that you can't. And I had to do that with my male leaders. I reminded them constantly, I can't do this without you. I really can't. I need you here. There are ways that you relate to these boys that I I will never be able to understand. And so I would play that card all the time. I was a broken record with that when it came to letting my male youth leaders know, uh, I need you. I can't do this without you. You're crucial, um, et cetera, et cetera. Now there's a balance there because I think you have to also remain confident enough and, and, and believe and know that I'm still called to be in this role maybe and have some authority here, but I'm inviting you alongside me to help lead with me um, to pour into these boys. Cause I think sometimes, you know, that can be swung so far to the other side where then you don't, you don't want people crossing over you as the youth pastor, making decisions and doing things that you wouldn't you know, have in your ministry um, because they are leaders who have chosen to serve under you. So um, yeah, I think it says a lot when you can attract really great leaders. Um, That's where it all starts. And honestly, that's where I think a lot of our focus as youth pastors needs to be is, is on the leaders because what we're really doing essentially is, is, um, kind of building the health of our youth youth ministry around around those people. And so finding key leaders that um female leaders, whether it's, you know, obviously your your wife is amazing and she can fill in when she wants to, but you never want to burn her out or expect her to do something when she's, you know, you've got the kids at home or whatever. So you've got to make sure that you have people within the church um, who are there to help you. So good. Heidi, this has just been a wisdom bomb. Um, I think on on me for sure. Uh, and Kyle always can take wisdom because I I will take all of the wisdom. <laughs> yes. um, last last question that we have for you because this podcast honestly was birthed out of the 
lessons that Derek and I have learned uh, the hard way about how not to be a youth pastor. You know, we all make mistakes every single day. There are things that happen that that we're kind of like, okay, like, yep, that that didn't work. I'm not going to do that next time. Mm-hmm. I, I learned a lesson of how not to do this. Uh, what do you, do you have any, you know, lessons you've learned that you'd like to share with our audience on how not to be a youth pastor? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is just the, maybe perhaps the overuse of sarcasm that can be had within youth ministry because, uh, we like to have fun and, uh, you know, we, we, we want to get as many students involved and included as possible. So sometimes we say things that condemn those who did not participate or did not sign up or whatever. And um, we just got to be really careful. Um, the, I learned a lesson one time I remember, and I can't say, and I'm not saying this to puff me up. I can't say that I've ever been pulled into the office uh, <laughs> a lot to be corrected on something. But I do remember one moment getting a coaching moment is is what it was called on um, not making certain students feel bad that they didn't, they didn't go to NYC or whatever. And I just, and I, I felt crushed, right? Cause that's not my heart, but sometimes in the moment on stage, honestly, you've got Pastors can be really silly and they can say some things that you just can't take back and you never know um, what a student is thinking and how they're feeling and maybe even their reasoning for not going to something. Maybe it wasn't because they chose that or wanted it, but because they couldn't afford it or because they just, whatever the case was, right? So um, toning back the sarcasm and, and you can totally be fun. Uh, without without risking hurting hurting students' feelings, and I think that's something maybe youth pastors um, can work on a little bit more. That would that's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> I'll end it there. <laughs> yeah, being sarcastic, but knowing who's you know on the, where your audience is at yes. on the other side of that. Yes, that's good. I love it. Hey, Heidi, we we so appreciate uh, you coming on the uh, on the episode today. Uh, we, we appreciate your, uh, just, just what you are doing, what Chris is doing, uh, for, for churches, uh, and, and for students, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's where all of our hearts are is, is youth ministry and and with these students. And so we appreciate, uh, the long hours and the mission trips Mm -hmm. to Chicago that, uh, (laughs) that you're putting into, uh, to make it happen. Uh, thank you everybody for, for hanging out with us today uh, on on the, another episode, uh, 53 down, 947 to go. Wow. Uh, we're we're going to be so old by the time we get wow. there. That's okay. Uh, thank you guys for, for hanging out with us. Uh, on behalf of Derek, uh, I am going to go show some extra appreciation for all of my female leaders. Goodbye. Goodbye.